and welcome to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. I'm your host, Hilary Leblanc. In this inaugural episode of the podcast, we explored the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on some of the country's most vulnerable individuals and groups, and how community health centres have stepped up in response. I visit with the staff of the Alex Community Health Centre in Calgary to learn how their community health centre has adapted to meet the care and support needs of some of the city's most impacted residents. Since 1973, the Alex Community Health Centre has served Calgary residents with complex health needs, often the result of issues such as poverty, trauma, homelessness, social isolation, addictions, and other challenges. It's difficult to be healthy if you're hungry, isolated, or experiencing mental health challenges, let alone struggling to access appropriate services. And that's where the Alex CHC comes in, providing access to the integrated community health center model of care and support, addressing the medical and social needs of individuals they serve. Whole health is the goal. I am here today with Cheryl San Juan, the Director of Primary Health Care. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for having me today. I feel so I'm, honored to be here. We're, I'm so excited to speak with you. So excited to start the podcast with the Alex. What you've done is incredible. You guys, you have a report already basically listing all the amazing work on your website, which I was able to peruse and was helped inform my questions on why you guys did such a great job um, throughout the pandemic. Um, I do want to start, though, with getting you to tell me a bit about the Alex Community Health Center and uh, some of the main aspects of your organization and the services that you guys provide. Thanks so much, Hillary. Yeah, like you said, so the Alex, uh, we are a community health center. Um, we have been operating as a nonprofit organization with really deep connections to the community for the last nearly 50 years. Uh, I am an RN by background. When I was a nursing student and I had first heard about the Alex, I developed um, an extremely big organizational crush on the Alex because I really um, believed in their mandate and loved the populations that they served. And so I feel super grateful to be part of this CHC. You know, one of the things we recognize is that navigating a very complex healthcare system is really challenging for those individuals who need it the most, which is why we try to offer extensive scope of services under one roof. So we do have a community health center, which includes like a family care clinic, um, and it it serves like all ages family care clinic. We have a youth health center um, with the medical component and social component, as well as, you know, we have a gender affirming clinic, um, a pre and postnatal clinic. Uh, We have a rapid access addictions medicine clinic. Um, We have four housing programs. um, And we also recognize the need um, for us to be um, where our populations live. And so we have like our community food center and our seniors health center um, nestled right in the heart of their communities. And we also have a mobile fleet. So we have a community health bus, a youth health bus and a dental health bus that travel to all areas of our city to reach those underserved populations. Um, One of the pillars of the CHC model is that team-based interprofessional care. And I'm so grateful that we have that here. So we have a full complement of like physicians, nurse practitioners, nurses, social workers, mental health clinicians, client resource specialists, justice navigators, pre-employment specialists, like really just, again, going back to that, the goal of whole health. um, I love that we have a full multidisciplinary team. Um, 
What else can I say? Uh, Hillary, you did mention the population that Mm -hmm. we serve, and it really is that population that has those complex needs. And it is a result of, you know, trauma or poverty or being homeless or at risk for homelessness and, you know, either social isolation or dealing with addictions and mental health issues. So that is our client population that we aim to serve. I, I absolutely love it. And I, I think people will slowly get to know me through this podcast as well. Um, but I've always navigated under the belief that it takes a village. And so I, I, what I love about community health centers is it's really people all coming together to raise up and support people who just have basic needs, who just have a harder time. I think, you know, through life, you're, you're just dealt the cards that you're dealt. And I really love that people always seem to come together to help people. And like the CHC model is just a great representation of that. Um, so Unfortunately, we do have to turn to the, the pandemic, which is all yeah. everybody is, is talking about, but you guys seem to handle it quite well. So at the beginning of the pandemic, what was your initial course of action to keep like all of those clients that you just listed safe and to ensure that they still had access to the, the care and the support that you guys provide? Yeah, I, you're taking me back to the beginning of the pandemic. And I, you know, I jokingly say I repress a lot of that because it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of unknowns, it's like the whole world was going through the same thing. But yes. um, I'm really quite proud of our CHC. We had never once closed our doors in this pandemic, even with all those all of those unknowns. Mm-hmm. At the start of the pandemic, I remember facilitating many conversations with our physician and medical leads, and we had philosophical discussions about what our role is in community and in primary care. And what we decided is that we do need to offer those essential services so that we're keeping clients well in the community and not inundating the acute care system. We needed to keep the emergency systems clear. We needed to keep the ICU bed, right? Like all of that needed to be, you know, so what was our role? Our role was to help them manage their chronic health decision, chronic health conditions and any acute conditions in the community as much as we could. Um, Yeah. So to be able to, you know, continue to provide safe client care right at that very beginning, we had to convert to virtual care. Um, We didn't have our video platforms up right away. That took us a while to figure out, but we did convert a lot to phone appointments. Um, And that was really well received by our clients too, because a lot of our clients use public chat transit to to get to places and so again during that really scary initial period where the protocols weren't really fleshed out and so it was scary for people to leave their homes and so to be able to provide healthcare services over the phone was such a huge win for us of course I can imagine especially you know for people who are not it's have accessibility issues like I I think that that would have been something that would have been really crucial and you know you can't you don't want to inundate the emergency rooms like you're saying you want to have that relief but at the same time gender affirming care is important to a lot of people the services that you provide are still they're a different level of essential and so you you can't take that away from people it's their it's their basic human rights right so yeah. i think that that's yes. very crucial so as you continue to work through that unknown territory how did you end up adapting your original chc model to accommodate all of those clients So one of the biggest challenges um, was our drop-in spaces. Mm -hmm. So a big component of our CHC model is having spaces where we can really invite our community members in and prevent that social isolation and make connections to other community members. And during the start of the pandemic, um, we had to close all of our social drop-in spaces. Um, And instead, so we pivoted to do more intentional outreach. 
for example, our mobile health, our mobile fleet, so our mm-hmm. youth health bus, our community and our dental health bus, we grounded that for the first six months. Um, it was just a scary time. We jokingly said it was a cruise ship on wheels. Um, and so we, we actually had all of the healthcare teams that were working on our mobile fleet um, pivot and work actually either remotely or within our clinic space to do outreach phone calls for those clients that were accessing our mobile fleet. Um, all of our uh, social workers and case managers that were, you know, managing those drop-in spaces, mm-hmm. they actually joined forces, um, and we created what we called a social dispatch team. So again, they, you know, they did more intentional outreach with the drop-in model. Yes. We, it used to be just this walk-in, walk-in model. Um, mm-hmm. We t- we also pivoted that to be um, a same-day booked access, so clients could still get care for their episodic acute needs, um, but it, they couldn't just walk into our clinic. We really encourage our clients to call that day, call that morning, see if we had spots. Um, and that was really from that safety perspective of trying to limit people on site. We also um, extended our hours. So, um, you know, offering like evenings and weekends to um, support this, we call it the COVID-19 primary care pathway. And so any of our clients that were um, COVID positive, um, we had nurses and physicians call them every single day in a two-week period to monitor their symptoms um, and to provide that education. Um, And so we would do those phone calls even on the weekend. Um, And we also had some physicians in some of our housing programs um, be on call for 24-7. So that was another new thing that we had to do with our CHC model just to adapt, right, And, and really do a good pandemic response. I'm, I'm blown away. That's not only like, I really enjoyed what you were saying about like pivoting and actually like recreating a whole new team, but then also just that amount of extra care to call in, you know, check in on in evenings and weekends and make sure that these, these people are okay. I know, unfortunately, quite a few people who ended up being COVID positive and it's, there's the, the anxiety around that and the pressure and the stress and then the isolation and figuring out how to, how to get food, how to care for yourself when you're literally alone and separated from society on top of already talking about a group of people that feels othered and separated from society. Like the, the layers there, I, I, (laughs) that not me getting emotional, but that that work is just so crucial and so important. Um, and this, this segues into um, a group of people that mean a lot to me. I was telling you before we started that my mother is actually uh, 70 years old. And I know that you guys uh, provide a lot of specific care to seniors. Uh, and as one of the most vulnerable and at-risk groups throughout the pandemic, how are you still able to maintain service for seniors and to make sure that they didn't feel, you know, like further isolated, but also keeping in mind how at risk they are? Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're fortunate enough to have a seniors health center mm-hmm. and that, um, clinic serves, um, seniors aged 55 and older. And the reason why it's 55 is because our client population is older than their chronological age. And that's due to all the physical stress from, you know, living in poverty or being homeless or dealing with addictions and having mental health challenges. So, um, our seniors health clinic is actually quite fortunate that they are located in close proximity to affordable seniors housing. Mm -hmm. So our seniors health center is actually on the main floor of this high rise affordable seniors clinic. So a lot of our clients will come down in their pajamas. It's 
Um, <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing. So, you know, we already had that, again, the CHC model, because we are already had that, like, trusting relationship with our clients that, um, and because we have a chart on in our electronic medical record for all the clients that we serve, that we are able to pull a list, a panel list of all of our clients that we serve and our nurses would do outreach. Um, but to your question of how, how did we pivot to support our seniors, we did a lot. So we did create like a transporting clients protocol so before the pandemic, our nurses or a social worker would help transport clients to important appointments. Um, with COVID, that was a really scary thing. It took us a couple months to be able to land on a protocol that we felt, you know, could be safe for both the clients and our staff. Um, and so, but we recognized the importance of being able to transport our clients. So that was one thing. We also, again, that COVID primary care pathway. So, you know, our doctors and nurses calling any seniors that had that, uh, that had tested positive for COVID to call them every single day for the two weeks. Um, and then the advanced care planning. I thought this was really beautiful that the seniors team did this. So advanced care planning, you know, um, having those really important discussions with seniors about who they want to designate as their power of attorney or who is going to make um, decisions about their health treatment if they're not able to, right? And so it's really important for seniors to have a really active and current advanced care plan. Um, those are typically quite lengthy appointments. They're important conversations. You typically want to have them in person. We had to pivot that during COVID. Um, and so the nurse, because it's such a long process to do, you know, we had the nurses completing some portion of it, the physicians completing another portion and all delivered safely over the phone. So I thought that was a really beautiful thing that we were able to maintain doing even during a time of, you know, mandated social distancing and, and stay uh home. Yeah, that is incredible. As someone who, because of the age of my mother, had to do the power of attorney thing com like completely alone at the age of 22, yes. it's it, having, if I could have had a group of people help me and my mom make those decisions, I, I can't imagine how much more difficult it is during a pandemic, but it's, it's so hard. I, I, a lot of seniors don't, I think we're all like this, but aging is not something we really believe is going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's happened. And the next thing, you know, something like a pandemic can come along and really impact your way of life. And so it's so important to have those very difficult conversations of, of power of attorneys, of beneficiaries, of even like, I remember the conversation about like DNRs with my mom and thinking this feels so far away, but it, it very well might not be in something like a pandemic can make that creep up so much faster. And it, it's really amazing how that CHCs and this model allows people to, you know, you, you already have their information, you have their charts, you're able to see wh what other services you can provide these people because you already know them and you already have this rapport because you're already working with them in so many other different right ways. It's like you said, it is completely like beautiful and such a great avenue. Yeah. Um, and on, on the other side of the coin, the people that you're younger, um, services. So for the, for the youth services at the Alex, what ways did you, um, pivot those roles when the, it came to helping them during these difficult times? Yeah. So just a quick, uh, background on our youth health center. We serve the youth, um, ages 12 to 24. Again, um, similar uh, description of the client population of who we're serving. So yeah, having that gender affirming clinic, doing a lot of STI testing is very important. 
Um, we have really strong mental health supports and a really great social drop-in space. Again, so pre-pandemic, we had this beautiful youth drop-in space where, you know, there were computer stations or there was a kitchen where the youth could come and make it their own meal or there was a lot of crafts and music and um, we could see up to 70 kids in a day just coming in through our drop-in space. And so I think that was our biggest and most heartbreaking challenge uh, during the pandemic is because we worried, you know, where are kids going if they're not coming to us? And so um, we, we really tried our best to reopen that space. You know, we invited the public health inspector to come look and see what can we offer safely in this space so that our, we can still stay connected to youth. So some of the things that we had to do, you know, we did offer virtual mental health appointments. Um, and so they were video. Um, we maintained a really strong presence on social media because that's the best way to connect with our youth um, through both Facebook and Instagram and, um, I actually don't know if they ever made it on TikTok. I know they were talking about that, but um, I'm pushing. I'm so pushing made, for a community health center TikTok. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> we're like that is the best platform for youth. I have two daughters; they're both on TikTok. That's not my platform for sure, but like it is for the youth, right? So it is yes, yeah. So yeah, maintaining a strong um, presence so that we could say, "Hey, we're doing same day book talking um, appointments." So. Maybe we don't have a drop-in space right now, but you can still book an appointment. Um, uh, we still had a really strong pre and postnatal program. So, you know, su supporting the young mothers um, and then offering like um, financial literacy programming um, virtually. There were, yeah, it was, it was, it's a beautiful response. Once we were able to open up our drop-in space again, um, we had limited drop-in hours, but it was still better than nothing, right? So of course, that's some of, of the things that we did. And then the youth health bus that we had to ground for the first while. Again, we pivoted those teams. And so those teams were redeployed to work in the clinic or virtually and then to do some outreach care. Of course, I was definitely thinking about, you know, when I when I was a kid, like what losing that connection, that so, so aspect of social would have been like. And it sounds like you guys really tried to do the most that you could to make it uh, accessible for them and try to figure out how to still reach out to them and connect to them. Yeah. I, I really think that, you know, throughout this conversation, we have sort of underlined like why community health centers are so important, but what do you think your experience throughout all of this says about the ability of community health centers to adapt to emerging social and public health issues and the importance of community health centers, which I do think for the last, I, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes, you have outlined that beautifully, but if there's any more you want to say on how important that model is. Yeah, I, our experience here for sure at the Alex, I really feel throughout this pandemic, it's really illuminated how integral CHCs are to the health and social services. Um, I think the biggest part is being able to leverage off those existing therapeutic and trusting relationships that we had with our community members already. I think they get lost in the shuffle when they're only accessing acute care. You don't develop the same sort of relationship that you can at a community health center. Um, so that I think is the, the biggest uh, advantage of CHCs. You know, the CHC model, I know I've said this already, it's such a beautiful model that the team-based interprofessional care, you know, focusing on those social determinants of health, because that really is looking at the whole health of the person um, and having those integrated health social um, services has been so important. And so for our experience, 
in this pandemic, we really leveraged off each other's expertise, like the medical teams with the social teams, the mental health teams. We have some programs in our CHC that didn't have medical supports before the pandemic. So we have like some housing programs or our community food center. And so again, in because we are one integrated CHC, we're able to pull off the expertise from the medical team and provide support for our community food center and the housing programs, et cetera. So, um, I, I really do believe in that um, the community health center model for us, because we knew our clients so intimately before the pandemic and we knew their unique needs, we were able to anticipate the barriers that they may face when the pandemic hit, right? And so things like mandatory masking, we, ha we had many, many conversations about, you know, supporting our clients to understand the importance of masking. Um, uh, navigating the transit system during the pandemic was also a big challenge for our clients. Um, virtual care. When we were first talking about virtual care and we were exploring different video programs, uh, platforms, sorry, we were wondering, well, how will our clients connect with us if they don't have a smartphone or access to Wi-Fi or um, all those other things? And so, you know, we were able to anticipate the barriers and sort of proactively kind of come up with some solutions. So that is all because we already had that existing relationship. I think that is the biggest thing. If I can say anything about the CHC model, it's that existing trusting therapeutic relationship that we can develop with our community members. You can't do that in the greater healthcare system. They get lost in the shuffle. You know, the CHC model also really perfect for the vaccine campaign that we launched. We were able to offer uh, a vaccine clinic here on site to serve our existing um, population, but we also supported a vaccine campaign to do outreach sites to the shelters and other vulnerable populations. And so again, it was leveraging off those existing trusting relationships that we had with Alex clients who many of them told us they would not get the vaccine. They would not go to, you know, a super site to get their vaccine, which was run by the greater healthcare system, um, that they only trusted Alex doctors and nurses to give them the vaccine. So again, it's that CHC model that really supported that, the building of those trusting relationships that made the vaccine campaign, I, I feel, successful. Of course. And I, I think as someone who was, you know, I came from a place of being mainly treated through the regular healthcare system and who's now been opened up and seeing the, C, the community health center model. And like I said, not only does it, is it sort of a, a, you know, community work and it takes a village to raise everybody, but it's, you, you're, you are already aware of the privilege everyone else gets to have by not having these intersectionalities or being a marginalized group or being othered and so for the regular person who can you know have a car have transit has wi-fi has disposable money that they don't have to already be worrying about these curveballs that life brings you a community health center already sees all of the curveballs that life brings on a daily basis to the impoverished people to queer people to black people to anyone and everyone. So adding COVID-19 while it was disheartening and such a problem for so many people, in a way, it was just another layer of complexity to these people's already complex lives. And it's almost like being a community health center, 
you're already dealing with so many hardships for these people, like in a way, not it to be like, well, bring it on. Like we, we already help these people who are struggling. And so we are, we're ready for another struggle. We're going to try to help make these people's lives as easy as possible because they deserve it. And that is what this model stands for and what we're here for. That's yes. how I see it. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. Yes. Agreed. So for it, the Alex, you guys are, um, the Alex.ca and the Alex CHC on Instagram and Twitter. So, um, you know, if anyone in the Calgary area, I think is looking for these types of supports or wants more information, they can reach you guys there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. So Cheryl, it was, it was so nice talking with you for this first episode. I really, I feel like slightly emotional about the pandemic and also very just like my heart feels warm about all of the amazing work that you did to make sure that um, the people who go to the Alex had the proper support and care throughout the pandemic. And not only that, but like throughout their regular day-to-day lives, the community health centers are extremely important. And you, you're, you're one story of hopefully many that I will get to explore, but I'm really happy I get to start out with you and meet you today. Thanks so much, Hillary. I feel honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for letting us share our successes and, and, the challenges that we face during this pandemic. So. Of course. And I, I hope for only continued successes and that you guys continue to share this beautiful story with other people. I, I, it's yeah. a really encapsulated the importance of the CHC model. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. To learn more about our association and the important work of community health centres across Canada, go to www.cachc.ca.